Alright, we're live. Hey everyone, welcome to season four of Iglap. I am so excited to be here. Uh, and it's been four seasons already, how time flies. I honestly, myself, I cannot believe that it's already been four seasons. But, you know, hopefully I can do more than just four, but let's see. So for this year's um, first episode, which is always like the, you know, the biggest episode of the year. Uh, I have someone who was here in the past, and she had a really great, insightful episode with me, and I hope that we'll be able to do it again. So without further ado, I would like to bring back and welcome back Marcella to IGLAP. Hey, Marcella. Hello. Okay, so before <laughs> we start, so before we start, I'm not going to do the whole, you know, uh, what do you call this, the whole, you know, something that not a lot of people know about you. Mm. you remember that, the, the, the unique thing. What I'm yeah. going to ask you is, what is your favorite song of 2022? Like a song that came out in 2022 or a song I discovered in 2022? Either. I actually have no idea. I've been going through so much playlists this year. So... <laughs> no, wait, wait. I thought of one. Uh... Okay. Wait, let me just open up my Spotify. I forgot what it's called, but I like it. Uh, Surface by Cat. Cat is spelled with a double T. Yeah. Pretty cat chill. Cat is a meow meow cat? Or K -T? Yes. C-A-T-T. Okay. And like, is it a sad song? Or like, what what, what is it about? Okay, that's the thing. Uh, music is my love language, and I usually know what every song means, but this is the one song that I never cared to look into its meaning, because it just, listening to it felt like what I would describe the feeling of moving into my new place. Like, if my, if my song, if, if my song was a movie? No. If my life was a movie, this would be the song that's playing while there's, like, a montage of me unpacking. That's what it feels like. Yeah. So I Could don't really know what like the, the link or something, or at least the title again. Like type it yeah. just so that yeah. I could uh, listen, give it a listen. But you oh, know what mine is, right? Of, of last year. No, actually. I forgot. So, I'm so sorry. That's okay. So last year, according to my Spotify rap, which I love every single year when they do that. Yeah. Uh, um, my number one song last year was Traitor by Olivia Rodrigo. I listened to it mm. for 5,500 minutes. Which is basically mm -hmm. five days. <laughs> Why did you count it? <laughs> no, because, no, because I was like, what is what is five thousand five hundred minutes? I wonder how many days that is. Okay. I was curious. Like, they didn't. The Spotify didn't say, "Oh, you were listening to Traitor for five days, man. You're listening to five thousand five hundred minutes." So I'm like, what is that in days, right? So I did. Traitor I like, oh. for five days. Who hurt you? <laughs> <laughs> then okay so you know lord right one of my favorite artists yes so she has this song called liability do you know that song I've, yeah i've heard it yeah okay so funny thing is fun fact about me that song has been my second most played song for three straight years so it's like always the bridesmaid never the bride for three oh. years <laughs> it was such a surprise um, that it was my second, you know, for a third straight year. That was a very surprising for me. Okay, so you listen to that song by Cat, and that's your favorite song for 
2022. I think that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I've never heard of her, but I'll definitely give her a listen. This is why I never have a favorite song. I always find new artists that I've never heard of, and I get hooked, and then I find more, and then make a whole playlist of these strangers, and then I just don't have a favorite. I'm just like, I'm going to play this. This is the vibe. Yeah. Fair enough. It's okay. All right. So for this season, I want to have like a certain theme that I that I told you about, which mm-hmm. is about life, meaning, and purpose. That's why I was like, Marcella, first guest for episode one. She's going <laughs> to, you know. She's going to be the gold standard for all the other guests for the rest of the Thank year. Thank you. <laughs> so, first I want to ask you, like, for you right now, um, what is life? What is it? What is it? Like, how do you live life in a good way? So, what is life and how do you live life in a good way? Well, I think life is, like, actually, I have a different perspective on your favorite jigsaw, right? <laughs> uh, Slaws was like, you don't be a narc and look for one piece and assume people are just one piece. Everyone is their own jigsaw, yada, yada, yada. For me, um, I was 15 and I simplified this concept into two words, which is basically forgetting Sonder. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term Sonder. Unfortunately, no. I, okay, I don't memorize the... Uh, dictionary definition of it but it's basically when you have this realization that every person you come across has a complex life such as your own so basically it undoes the main character complex <laughs> if that's if, if, that, if that helps you understand it um and to me it's like that's that's the if our lives were all films or TV shows, it's just a big, massive crossover. And you kind of just go, wow, the world is so small. Who You know this person and I know that. And it's pretty much just an effort, I think, to make everybody's complex lives better. Like, it's, it's insane to want to be someone's entire world. Okay, like, you can be that for your child until your child grows up, right? Um, but for me, it's like you can't be someone's entire world, but you can like, give them better aspects of their world. You know, like, for example, oh, I love talking to Paolo. Whenever I talk to him, it's like, you know, you you get deep conversations and whatnot. It's not like, oh, every time I talk to Paolo, it's just, how's the weather today? You know, you want to be that one person that adds a bit more flavor into the mix. You know, so like that's that's for me what life is. It's kind of just like, I don't know how to say this better. It's a buffet, and you want to sprinkle salt and all of that, make it better. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense because, like, it kind of like uh, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of like how we should all just be nice to, to all of you know. You should yes. all just be nice to each other, basically. Like instead of you just thinking about yourself. Yeah, like you know that. You know, the world, you know, you know that quote that's like leave people better than how you found them something like that yeah basically okay no but that's a i like that i like that concept forgetting sonder okay because like okay you're the one who introduced so for our listeners marcel is the one who introduced so many concepts to me uh so jar of life <laughs> jar of life um what did you- I love the so sorry jar of life and I see I okay sorry so jar of life and um bonfires and fireworks and all that she's the one who really introduced these concepts to me 
but your concept's so interesting because you know how like jar of life it's all, all about balance mm-hmm. right that you know he puts the ping pong balls first then the pebbles then the sand and the beer and whatnot then for jigsaw the dinosaur's jigsaw it's all about like a puzzle that we add that we subtract but we're working towards happiness then the two cups of course i have to talk about it because i hopefully i could write a book on it it's all about self-love and filling up your cup before you fall in love with someone else but like with your forgetting sonder though you really simplified it right it's a, it's kind of about you know making you realize that you shouldn't only think about yourself but you should think about others so i'm wondering how did you develop that or how did you think of it one day that actually this is what life is for me like this is what how one should live their life or something like that. Okay. Uh, so I'm just going to start with the word Sonder, for example. So again, for anyone who missed it, Sonder is the realization that everybody's lives is just as complex as yours. And this is very humbling. You know, like this is literally the, not everything is about you in a word. Um, and the reason why I simplified it to forgetting Sonder is that um there came a time when I always looked at everyone as a complex being. And as much as this made me, you know, it it humbled me and it made me want to be very nice to them all the time. And I always wanted to be that one person that would make them smile in case it was like a really bad day or if they were having a great day, then let's just add one more star to that. Um, This also made me a background person. So basically I was a bridesmaid every day. Uh, <laughs> and you know as much as that's nice it's like you, you know that thing they say like um photographers never have nice pictures of themselves stuff like that um basically i was a giver until i forgot what it's like for someone to give to me and i realized just like daniel slaws and you know all of the stuff that we've done in all the previous igla uh, short talks and whatever um you can't just hire someone to give you the love that you deserve you kind of have to give it to yourself and that's when i kind of just go you know what okay forget sonder sometimes i have to be a bit selfish do things for myself okay everyone's a complex person like myself but everyone is embodying this main character energy why am i just being some ron weasley on the side you know so i I mean let's face it he is also main character energy he got the girl man (laughs) He he did he did right so like it's it's like life is you giving to everybody, but it's also you giving to yourself, and it doesn't have to be publicly. You, know, you just love yourself. It can be private, live in private, not in secret, that sort of thing. Yeah. I want to ask you. So as a giver myself, that's why I think we're really friends and all of that. We we understand that concept. But like okay, so you know how each person has their own bandwidth about how much they can give. Mm. And how much um, people can get from you, right? I guess the question is, is it selfish in a bad way to to give yourself some time off from someone who keeps getting and you never, not only you never get anything back, but you just feel that you get so much, they get so much from you that they become too reliant on you instead of being self-sufficient, you know, self-reliant. Because like what you said, it's about loving yourself enough to know when to take, when to give, 
Because when you love yourself, you also are able to love others. Hmm. Right? Because how can you give something that you yourself don't have? So that's the question. Like, is it selfish in a bad way to take some time off from a person or relationship that you feel that you're they're they're taking so much and they just become too reliant that they're not able to stand on their own, you know, two feet? No, it I don't think it's considered as selfish in a bad way. Uh mainly because well you when you were describing it. Um, there's an imbalance in social equity. Like, you're taking so much from me. What, what have you ever done for me, though? Like, it's it's not really the... Okay, do not cancel me on this. I feel like utang na is super toxic. Like, it's an endless chain of you just owe someone, owe someone, owe someone. No, it's not really like that. It's more of when someone starts to become a leech to you, you're going to run out of blood. You know, it's like... You can't be the donor, the blood donor to everybody in the hospital. Like, you're going to run out. So sometimes you just really have to be there for them in a way that you're, you're kind of like a parent holding a toddler's feet, uh, to- toddler's hands as they walk. But once you feel like they're doing it, you kind of let go a little, but your hands are still kind of hovering in case they might need it. So it's like, step away from a person take a breather but don't abandon them like there's a difference between taking a breather and abandoning them and i feel like that's that's super important to put out there because you know no and i agree with you i completely agree because sometimes you just need some time apart but you know i guess there's sometimes in life where you have certain relationships with people wherein you ask for a break but it becomes final maybe because the yeah. person took it the wrong way or whatnot but mm. it's a question as givers, um, we really want to help people. It's because we care about them, right? We want them to be happy. We want them to to realize that there's more to life than whatever they're going through. But the question is, even if it's not being selfish in a bad way, why do we feel guilty about asking for something for ourselves? Huh. Well, that's actually something I've been thinking about for a year now, and I still haven't figured it out myself. Like, um, I've always been, you know, helping with wedding planning, with like picking outfits for my friends, and being the wing woman. I was always the wing woman, and uh, <laughs> I was always the one giving, uh, like, eh. I don't know how I feel about that prom dress. How about this one? Are you sure you want to ask him? I was always that person. And then mom's friends would be like, can we borrow your daughter? My son doesn't have a date. Like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll go with your son, whatever. You know, and eventually I got used to being given, being the giver and whatnot. And uh, when I started dating a guy who actually cared and he he wanted to take care of me and stuff, I was like, what is this? <laughs> chivalry is not dead with this guy but at the same time you know it's like chivalry is not dead with him but at the same time not to be like a feminazi or anything but i've gotten used to being like some independent woman so i have no idea how to work with this guy and it's been a year and sometimes i'm like is he trying to be a gentleman or does he just underestimate me and i just don't know (laughs) how to balance it like he's nice i don't think he's underestimating me i think he's just too nice you know um 
So I, I guess the guilt of asking for help, uh, or not just asking, from, even receiving, actually. Yeah, yeah, like the the guilt of receiving or or getting something from someone, even if you've done so much for that person, you you still kind of cringe. Like, say for example, you've been helping this person for seven, eight years, and then finally comes a day you gotta ask something from them, and you're like, ah, should I though? Like, sis, yes, according to the laws of social equity, you deserve that favor. But because you've been so used to giving and giving, it feels weird to take. And for me, I don't know if anyone else feels the same way. It's like, I know how some people can be such a burden. Like, sis, you already asked me for help four times today. What do you need now? You know, sometimes it's like that. Or sometimes it's like, wow, I haven't spoken to you in five years. How are you? And they're like, I need something from you. Like, oh, so that's why you remember me. So because of these little hassles, like, don't get me wrong. I love helping my friends, but sometimes it gets too tasking. You know, like when they get too used to it, they start becoming leeches. And you have that annoyance or you feel that certain hassle. That's what stops me from asking people for help. Because sometimes when people ask me for help, it's almost impossible, like what they want. And I can't just back out because these people are my friends, these people are my family. So that struggle that I feel when the help asked is super difficult, it's kind of like, I don't want anyone to feel this hassle, especially from me. So I try not to ask anyone for it. You know what I mean? I do. I do. Yeah. Because like, you know, how, how do I... Because you know how there are times where when... It's nice to help someone because, like, okay, I'm the type of person because I had this friend. Okay, um, when I first became close with her again, she was kind of a wreck um, okay. in the sense that she was like self-destructing, like her self-destructing mm. button. She just keeps pressing it and pressing it. And I'm just like, wow, um, damn, you know. But you know, we worked on things and we spoke and all of that. Because I'm the type of person that I love to help people, especially when I see that the help that I'm giving is working. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, when you see that, okay, let's say, for example, before they were like a hot mess, now they're just a semi-mess. You know, so there's like that big, you know, but I mean, there's like improvement, you yeah. know? I, you know what I mean? I mean, I love, it even gives me more fire to help them because it's like, wow, you're really listening or you're really like understanding these concepts. But, doesn't it tire you though? Like when you when you help someone, and you feel that they they're not listening, or if yeah. they do it, it's because you told them to, and they don't really get the message or or the substance that need that they need to get from it. Sorry, am I making sense? Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's frustrating in two ways. Number one is if they just keep asking and it doesn't really get anywhere. That's it's the term I, I taught you, the ask hole. Yeah, yeah, the ask hole. Yeah, like stop asking because you're not even doing it. You're just wasting my energy. And sometimes that's just people's way of wanting to know that you still care for them. Like, I'm not going to follow what you say. I just want to know you care enough to give me advice. I'm not going to follow it though. Like, that's how I understand them. Second one is like, I, I don't know if I understood or if, if it played the same image as in your head, but when you describe the second one where they did it for the sake of, it's like, it's a very big, annoying card that I hate. When people say the, I did it for you, 
Like, what do you mean you did it for me? You asked me for advice. Do it for you, bro. Like, <laughs> how are you doing this for me? This is literally what you asked of me to tell you, you know? Yeah, I mean, not like that, but I get your point as well about that. It's just that, you know, Marcella, like, you and I, right? We, we get, you give me a lot of um, materials. I, I tell you, okay, could you watch this and let me know your thoughts and all of that? Yeah. At least on both ways, we, we help each other grow as people. You know, the one thing about me is I rarely, um, okay, it, it will sound a bit bad compared to how I want it to sound, but I'm the type of person that I constantly want to have like checks and balances about what I say, what I do, my beliefs and all of that. But I don't ask this to a lot of people, but to only select people who I know would, one, not lie to me, uh, and two, who would really call me out. Mm. And three, who have enough, enough emotional depth to be able to understand you know, the, the concepts and all of that. So that's why I, I, I do ask you, right? Marcella, I, I said something like this. Does this make sense? Am I being a bad person? Yeah. And all these because yeah. like for me, um, and I'm sure for you as well, we just want to be good people. You know, whatever that means for you and I, I'm sure we have different definitions, but maybe it just means the same. But we just want to be good people. But the question is though, um, have you ever had a part or an event in your life wherein you know you're being okay, you know you're doing the right thing, you know you're giving the right advice, you're giving tough love and all of that. But at the end of the day, they make you feel as if you're not helping them. Have you ever experienced that? Too recent, man. Too recent. Hell yeah, I did. I have. <laughs> yeah, and it was, it sucked because like, um, I mean, being, I can't even say being an adolescent anymore. I'm freaking 20. <laughs> um, but my most recent adolescent relationship with a friend of mine, um, this person had a lot of problems and, you know, I thought I was in that position before and I didn't have anybody. I don't want that for her. So I just, I, I was the person that I wish I had to her. Um, and somehow I'm the bad guy now and we just don't talk anymore. And I'm here thinking, huh. So if you help people, it could blow up in your face. Got it. And now I'm like, should I still help people? Because that just blew up in my face. You know, like you start questioning, was I doing the right thing, man? So like you in Billie Eilish like that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bad guy. I don't know. Like I just, I just want to think that if this is the pandemic just not giving me a lot of options out there and this is the pandemic also getting people insane in their own rooms and like i don't want to believe that that person's really an ass i just want to believe it was a horrible circumstance maybe she's claustrophobic really wants to get out there um but yeah it's just the thing is any good intention can go badly if the recipient is kind of pessimistic or something you know it's like it's like how a person with um, any form of trauma especially social and emotional ones if you'd give them a neutral invitation like um 
my friends and I are going to play Overwatch tonight. You can join if you want. Like the if you want part is a killer for many people. It's like, oh, so you don't actually want me there. If this is a courtesy invite or you're reluctant to have me there because it's if you want. But to a normal person, it's like, oh, yeah, I want in. Add me on Discord, something like that. You know, so it's it's really that to me. It's like the recipient matters. So before you go out there being a good Samaritan, make sure you know who you're helping out. Can I just say, um, because, you know, trauma doesn't necessarily mean it's something that you because, you know, how people think when it's trauma, it's someone who's broken, who's a mess. I mean, physically, mm -hmm. whatever. But trauma could be as simple as, OK, like I'll give you an example. So I've been I, I have a certain trauma wherein that if anyone calls me, anyone calls me, OK, first as I know the person, obviously not like if it's a Lala move to me that my delivery <laughs> or whatever, but like if it's someone I know who's calling me. Hmm. And I don't know what the purpose of the call is. The first thing I always ask is when I answer, for example, that's you who calls. Marcella, is everything okay? Okay, yeah. That's the trauma that I got because of someone who every time when they call, there's always a problem. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, trauma doesn't have a real face to it. It could be so something as simple as that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, what do you call this? Or, sorry, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. So because like what you said, right, about how you want to help people, but sometimes it just backfires in your face and all of that. That really sucks because it's like I'm there to help you. Okay, like, you know, it's my greatest frustration. Um, there's this person I really want to help because I really care for this person. And I've done so many different approaches. I've been the, you know, very soft love, listening, giving all my effort, getting all the negative energy and just figuring it out how to get rid of it without affecting others. Then after so long, I'm like, this is not working. So what if I do tough love instead? Then mm -hmm. they against you saying that, you know, you ruined my night and all of that. Why are you doing this? Why would you say that? And all these things. And that. And what I would say is, reflect. Why am I doing this? Or why am I saying this? What is the purpose? What is the meaning? Because it's not like I'm like the joker who does something just because I want to see the world burn. There's always... <laughs> there's a, you know me well enough to know, Marcel, that everything I do always has a purpose, always has a meaning. Right? Mm -hmm. like, like the short talks, for example. The episodes are um, arranged in that order for a reason. It's not just like one day I'm like, oh yeah, I want to talk about um, bonfires and fireworks out of nowhere. Or I want to talk about actualization versus re realization. There's a yeah. reason why it, it has that. And, you know, as people like us, we're in, would you say, okay, would you say that you're a more logical person than an emotional person? If you're going to ask me that ENFJ stuff, I'm so sorry, but I forgot <laughs> what I am. No, I, I actually don't know what that is. Like, my question is really, do you consider yourself more logical than emotional? That whole uh, INJ, I have no idea also what the hell that is. No heckin' way. We got to bond over that sometime. We should. Please do not touch Zodiacs. Touch the Ian whatever stuff. I forgot what it's called. Is it Myers and Briggs? I don't know. I'm going to check again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Myers and Briggs, right? Yeah, I... I took a test uh, 
about a good three months ago. I totally forgot my result because I don't care about that stuff and horoscopes. (laughs) But um, emotional or logical, I think since having moved here and I mean, moving here forced me to mature in a good way. Um, I've, I'd like to think I've become more logical about things, like even relatives that I'm not in good terms with or, you know, friends I've made in the pandemic that turned out bad. I just want to always give them the benefit of the doubt. And I think doing that is a logical thing. Because, and I don't know if this is because I am a science major and I'm pretty much required to look at things objectively. Um, I actually struggle to have my own opinions now. So maybe that's that's why I'd say I'm more logical. Well, that's yeah. interesting that you, you struggle to have your own opinions. Yeah. <laughs> it's, okay, um, no, yeah, sorry, go ahead. It's, you know how the Philippine educational system was like, okay, we're going to have uh, tracks now. You're going to have uh, ABM. I know it's Humes, right? Not Hums, because it's Humanities. Okay, I'm sorry. Like, I'm STEM, so I always got canceled by the Humes guys because I call it Hums. And they're like, you say Humanities? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. So just clearing that air. Um, don't worry. Um, like, I, I actually don't care also. I mean, for then, honest, we all get each other. That's what's important. Yeah, so I... In, in STEM, you know, we had robotics class, which is basically a robotical engineering class. And I don't know how the hell I passed that, man. I don't even that know how to get my God. PC working. Like, my friends would be like, oh, let's play Among Us. And I'm like, oh, wait, how do you download that? <laughs> the tita comes out. So um, in STEM, everything was like, okay, a chemical, biochem, whatever. Memorize this, memorize that. Memorize your suffixes, Greek, whatever. Naming of compounds i i forgot how to be human so i said okay i'm allowed to choose any elective so i looked at the most humanity looking one after the film class i took right because i said okay i love film like i told you in the previous episode we had together i love making films and whatnot but i finished it and i had to take another class so i said okay let's take argumentation because i can't sing therefore i will not join glee so I joined it and the teacher gave us a reading. She said, you have 10 minutes. I'm like, okay. So I read it. She goes, okay, what are your thoughts? Everyone in the class raised their hands. I didn't realize that everyone in the class was Humes. Um, Teacher looked at me. I've never seen this woman in my life. It's a tiny school, but I've never seen her. And she goes, how about you? You're the unfamiliar face. I've never heard your voice before. And I was like, okay. So she said, what are your thoughts on what you just read? And I think it was a political piece. I don't remember what it was about. I gave her a spork notes of what I just read. And she goes, no, no, no. We already know that. All of us read it together. I want to know how you feel about it. And long story short, my answer was, it is what it is. And she was like, no, no, no. You're not supposed to. It is what it is. You're way through life. You're supposed to have a stand. Are you for it, against it? That's such a boomer answer, by the way. (laughs) like i just like i just like for okay let's say for example i'm so gonna get canceled on this do you like uh what the current president is doing with the economy let's say it's that basic question i'm like i mean if you think it works then i guess it works that's literally how cold i was and she was like no 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 you have to think about it like is it good for us bad for us and i'm like 
are we talking about impoverished class or those who are benefiting from it because it's both? So she's like, you are too neutral. You know, like you don't have an advocacy. And I'm like, I do. It's just not political. And she was like, after class, she asked me to stay. Now, man, mind you, I was like, what is it this time? I was always asked to stay behind. <laughs> and it was various reasons to the point when a teacher would call me. I wasn't even scared anymore. And she said, I'm going to give you extra readings. As someone preparing for college entrance tests, I was like, sure, what is it? And she said, I need you to learn how to have opinions. And I was like, what do you mean? I, I do have opinions. She goes, no, a political opinion. She goes, you're so used to accepting facts, cold, hard facts from old white dead men in history who have probably died virgins. So she said, you need to learn how to have opinions about things, controversial ones or like mainstream ones. You just need to have them. So she just gave me like a big ass reading list and I just gobbled it all up over the weekend. And then she gave me like extra training outside of classes to have my own opinions, which was weird because this is what happens when at, how old was I? If at 14, you're asked to choose a strand and then you're in that program for two years. And then in college, you're still in that strand. Let's face it, if you're in STEM, you're probably going to med, right? So ever since I was 14, I was, to, I was taught to be cold. So now at 20, when my friends cry, I'm like, okay, this person is in need of oxytocin. What am I doing? You know, I need to hug this person or some shit. You know, like, why am I, like, why am I looking at the hormones that's probably going crazy? So that's the funky thing about um, getting sorted while you're young. Actually, no, I kind of agree on that because think about it this way. Um, I took a political science, you know, humanities. Yeah. And we're opposite. I've always had an opinion, but I had to learn when to be neutral or when to be logical about certain things. But I'm glad that you are in the process of you know learning that and all that at a young age of 20 because i had to learn that when i was 27 how to to be more logical with things because can you imagine like your whole life you always pick the side because in political science they always say that when there when there's a situation there's always two people the oppressor and the oppressed if right. you're neutral, you side with the oppressor. Yeah, so I was taught that just last semester. And I was like, whoa, so being passive doesn't mean you're passive. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, yeah. I mean think that, you know, if you're a science major, especially when it's med or engineering or whatnot, it's not really what you're taught to know. Because as a science, you know, as someone in med or someone who's an engineer or whatnot, what you're taught is this is the machine, which is, let's say, the human body, a car, a robot or whatever figure out why it's broken or figure out how it works, figure out how to make it or things like that. While for the humanities, we're taught that, you know, we have to always know what our values are, what our morals are. Because when you're neutral, it helps no one. But, right. you know, you know, in the show, never like be, be afraid that you're going to be canceled or whatever, because you're just, you know, spitting out facts. You're not, you're not saying that, until now, after learning all these things, I still choose to be neutral. Then you're being an asshole. <laughs> in the past, dude, like I've, I've um, had really troublesome beliefs in the past, but that's what it is to be human. 
when you make a mistake in the past and you grow, then your opinion changes. Because if you yeah. believe in the same thing for the rest of your life, especially something from the past that when you look at it aged like milk, then you're not growing as a person. Mm. Right? If you don't question, you know, your beliefs or if you don't question yourself, if you don't question your situation, if you don't question how you acted, what you say, and things like that, then you're not growing. You, you're putting yourself in the high horse believing that you're the ultimate person or something like that, or that you're the best human being. But none of us are. We're all people like what you said in each other's crossover episodes, just trying to live life and somewhat be happy. Yeah. So like the, the challenging thing about the whole uh, learning to be logical, learning to be emotional, uh, like everyone's like, oh, you're so lucky that you're a logical person. Like it's so hard to be emotional. And it's like, no, 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 it is not. Because being too logical is also the reason why I struggled to make friends in my adolescence, because I struggled to empathize with them. I struggled to just listen to them because in high school, you're taught, okay, if you're a doctor, if you're an engineer, if you're any of that, your job is to fix people's problems. Like even, even in numbers, like numbers, I guess, don't have feelings, but you have to solve their problems. We have calculus for that. Like, I'm sorry, did I have to do calculus to drink this? No. But we still do it. We solve problems that involve numbers. It's always solve, solve, solve. Then here comes college, and, and I'm taking psychology, and they say, rule number one, don't assume people want to be helped. And you're like, oh, shit, really? Because I was told to fix everything. So basically, my first two years in college was undoing everything I was told to do in high school. And it was especially challenging because... I had learned to sort of just build a wall around myself to protect me. Uh, and I was logical to the point that it was hard to make friends and it was hard for me to be there for my family when they needed me. So it's, to put it simply, how do you make Wednesday Adams your shrink? You can't. She's too numb. And basically, I was the biggest Wednesday ever. Okay? And... This, this was a challenge because I could look at my best friend, not know why she's crying. If I try to, like, if I try to say something, I got to say something. I can't just watch her cry. It would get worse, you know? And I'm like, did you not like what I said or did I say the wrong thing? And I eventually also just stopped because in my head, it, my head at that time was like, there is a pattern because logic always uses patterns, right? There is a pattern. I try to help a friend. I give her the bitter truth. I give her the, the bitter truth. I'm a bad friend because she didn't like that pill. It tasted bad. Okay, new attempt. Sugarcoat that shit. Feed a friend a fake cookie. Tell her you're fine. Everything's fine. Life blows up and she's like, why did you tell me everything's fine? Okay, new attempt. Don't make friends, period. You know, so that's that's the problem with being logical. There's always a pattern. There's always a, a formula to something. But the thing is, we're human. We're organic. There is no formula to anything. So people are going, ah, oh, I don't want to be in a relationship because the last one sucked. Well, am I your last one? No. 
why don't you want to try me? You know? Can I just say, when you were saying that about when you're logical, when you're emotional, can I just say louder for the people at the back, honestly? <laughs> because, okay, like, can I just say, um, and don't think I'm trying to underestimate your anything. Like, it's not. But I think it's more difficult for people who are logical first to be able to learn how to balance being logical and emotional as compared to those who were emotional learning to be logical. Because like, okay, as someone who was, you know, emotional before compared to me now who can, who learned how to balance it, it's just me learning, okay, when should I give emotion and when should I listen, give the facts and that's it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, imagine, let's say you're an introvert your whole life, but you end up being in PR. How are you going to do that? Oh no. (laughs) As compared to, okay, as compared to, let's say, someone who's an extrovert, but they love, but they apparently realize that they love engineering. So that's how I see it. Because, you know, you could be an extrovert and be an awesome engineer, but I think it's more difficult if you're an introvert who has to learn how to be an extrovert. Definitely. Sorry, that, that makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's just not in you. You have to develop these skills. And you're not sure if you're going the right direction. Because, again, people don't have a proper formula. So you can take classes for communication. You can take classes for social graces. But nobody really teaches you how to read people. You know, like, okay, sure. There's this book. uh, There's this book I have. I do not know why I have it. But judging by the color of the pages, I think it's older than me. What's the title? How to read a person like a book. Yes, and it's a pocket-sized book. So I'm thinking, was this my oldest brother or my mother? Because I know my dad doesn't read stuff. So I'm like, I have to ask if this is Bruno or my mom. Like, which one of you guys bought this thing? Because, <laughs> okay, it says there, like, okay, you're, you're out with a person. The person is uh, hands on the table. Or any any like anything seen like this or like that, intentions are clear. Hands under the table, insecurity. I'm like, what is the context and what is the personality of this person? What is their temperament? Because let's say for me, for example, all my relationships are genuine. Okay, and like if I don't like you, you will know. You will not see me. That is how genuine I am. You will not see me if I don't yeah. like you. So for me, I always keep my hands under the table, and it's not because I want to hide something from you. But it's because that's what I was taught in social graces. Also, I keep my hands on my skirt because if it's windy, I don't want to be Marilyn Monroe, okay? Like, I just, I don't want anything to go up. And I also don't want the napkin on my lap to fly away. So I've gotten used to keeping my hands on my lap. Because let's face it, if you have food on your table, you're not really going to slump your arms next to your plate like that. So I just looked at the book and I'm like, a lot of it helps if you're a shrink if you're a detective and you're trying to get the truth out of people. But if you just suck at talking to people, like you're an introvert and you want to study people through a book, it's not going to work like that. It's it's like what my professor in, in psychology said, this class is only about 10% of the real world, even if we're studying the most complex thing ever, the human mind. He said the books can only take you so far, but the books will also teach you how to piece together this person's history, this person's very being 
And basically what we were taught in psychology wasn't to just read people, wasn't to just fix them or understand them. It was to look at their jigsaw, okay? Like the, the spider web of which they live in. And I think if there's anything that psychology helped me appreciate, I don't know if you've seen the movie Her with Joaquin Phoenix. Excellent film. Yeah, there is a scene there where he, he first sets up a, his his like Siri, what's her name, Sam? Samantha? I think it was Samantha, yeah. yeah it was Samantha, right? And uh, uh, he was rebooting her and or whatever. He's just installing her her software and she just bombarded him with questions. And one of the questions was, how is your relationship with your mother? And people would just think, why does it matter, right? Like, she's my mom, why do you care? Two perspectives on that question. Number one, um, I think I, I can't remember if it was my mom that taught me this or if I read it somewhere and discussed it with my mom. Uh, this was about dating. Look at a boy and how he treats the woman in his family, his mother, his sisters, because that is how he will treat you as his partner. So for me, when I started dating, my type wasn't a, a physical appearance or what. It was a personality trait, and it was sweet to female members of the family. Because then that was that would be like how this person would treat me. Um, another thing is in psychology, we are taught that our template for social relationships starts with our relationship with our mother, not even our dad, not even our siblings. It's usually the mother because the mother is the one that is usually around. And like, for example, we're in the womb. It's her voice that we hear. And babies are attuned to, to higher pitched voices, which means they're naturally programmed to follow the mom and not the dad. So you know, a lot of the things in the womb are connected to the mother, but then again, the womb is the mother's. So the voice of the mom, the appetite of the mom, like, sure, okay, the embryonic fluid is from the dad, but that's a minor thing. That's kind of just the, that's pretty much just the immunity of the child. And an interesting thing, like you can see this manifest. Why do babies fall asleep faster when you do the little padding motion? You know why? It's because, it's because it reminds them of their mother's heartbeat when they were still in the womb. And it calms them down. It is a very familiar feeling. Wow, I didn't know that. That's so cool. Yeah, so this is why that question, how is your, your relationship with your mother so important? And then I guess if you'd go to a shrink, they'd ask you that question. And then they would ask you about your other relationships. How is your life with your siblings? How is your relationship with your current partner? How is school? How is work? But everything always starts with the mother. Because based on how your relationship is with your mother, that's what's going to dictate everything else in your life. Because, again, she is your social template. So if you have a problematic mother, but your relationship with her is fine, you're going to learn to have healthier relationships with the wrong people, stuff like that. And, yeah. So I want to ask you, <clears throat> as someone who doesn't have a great relationship with my, with my mother, uh, because I completely get that, though. I completely mm. get that. Like, if you met me when I was, like, 22, 23, um, when I look back about how I used to be, you know, there are times I was obnoxious, all of those things. 
because my humor is very South Park, very Daniel Sloss. And sometimes it can go far. It can go right. too far. But what if, for example, the person like me learned how to be better, how to treat people better? Because I guess for you, it's more, I, I guess the, the way you say it is more about like the initial. Mm. You know, like, how's your relationship yeah. with your mom? When people yeah. ask me that, I'm like, what mom? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, it's just more of like, um, but what if effort is put? Because, you know, I get where you're coming from. I get what you mean. But as someone who is not a fan of templates, believe it or not, mm. um, I've always been the biggest fan of giving second chances, comebacks, character arcs. You know, I think, I, I, I don't know if you've seen the past episodes, but you know Avatar, The Last Airbender, right? You know that show? I know the show. I've never seen it. Okay. Um, okay, give me a popular show that you've seen. Now think of this you? like a character arc. <laughs> no character arc in you. <laughs> oh. Sorry, like I just, show everyone knows you. Like, it just came to me. <laughs> why? Why, Marcella, why? <laughs> Hey, I just started uh, a Netflix show before this okay. episode. Forgive me. Okay. Okay, okay but anyway, um, I've always believed in like the greatest um character arcs. Okay. You know, so can I can I ask you something? Hmm. So, you know, we're talking about like life, how people treat people, and um all of these things, right? And you mentioned that you know, for you, you weren't really looking at looks. You're looking at personality or attitude and all of these things. But the question is, like, is it right for us to to seek that at first? Because like me, personally, Mia, I consider myself to be a strong person. I wasn't born this way, but I learned how to be strong. Mm. And sometimes I do check myself. Because the one thing that frustrates me is, because like, okay, for example, Marcella, like um, we're friends, right? And if you have a moment of weakness and need me to be there to listen to you for like eight hours, I'm game. No complaints. I'm going to be there. But my problem is when, let's say, a family member, like a sister or a cousin or whatever, has their moment of weakness. I'm like, why? Oh, okay. It's more of like, guys, it's like, why, why are you having that? So, like, you, know, you say you're more hospitable to outsiders, you mean? It's just more of, like, at times. It's not really... It's more of, like, I I don't know you that well because we're not right. siblings. You, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. We never, like, I never lived in your house. I never saw you every single day or whatnot. Yeah. It's just more of, I guess, I expect more from, let's say, my siblings than those mm -hmm. who are my siblings. And that's wrong. That's completely wrong. That is a very problematic thing. And that's something I'm trying to work on. But that's why in my relationships, I want to be with someone who's also strong. Right. And not because I don't want to protect them or whatnot. Because, of course, you know, we, we want to have relationships where it's balanced, where we, where we protect each other, where we care about each other. But I want to be with someone who is strong. Who has you know experienced something 
that shows how strong they are as a person. So yeah, that's that, that's what I'm wondering. Is it wrong for us to seek that first, or if we're gonna look for a partner, what should we seek first? Because obviously it shouldn't be looks, because looks is like the most shallow thing in the world, right? Because they could look like, let's say, Brad Pitt when they're 20, but end up looking like, you know, a mannequin when they're 80 or whatever, or beef jerky, right? So. Okay, yeah. Um, Well, I wouldn't exactly go on and ask people who they are. Like, okay, uh, have you seen the movie Ex Machina? Yes, and I didn't know that's how you pronounced it. Oh my, how do you pronounce it? Ex Machina. So I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> remember Georgie. I just, I just, I look I at... Georgie one. Oh my God. It's actually Georgie. That's why I don't say Georgie. You remember I said it, I used to pronounce it Georgie? Yeah. It's Georgie, I, apparently. I don't know. I mean, well, as anyways, long as I've uh, never heard it, I'm going to pronounce it how I read it. So Whatever. I just, I just say Ex Machina. But actually, ex machina sounds good. But I was thinking this isn't Tagalog or anything, so it's it's, for me it's machina. Oh, is it? It's a Spanish film. Wait, okay, wait. Let me Google. I've seen the one with um. Oh, what's his name? The guy who played Bill Weasley. <laughs> I don't know his name. Uh, wait, let me look. Wait, it wait. Up. I'm checking the Wikipedia. Give me one second. I'm talking about the one by. Alex Garland, uh, starring Dom Hall Glaze. How do you say his name? Dom Hall. Okay. Dom Hall. Dom Hall Gleason. Yeah, yeah, him. Wait, can I play a YouTube? I'm gonna say. I'm gonna type on YouTube how to pronounce X, whatever the film is. Yeah. Um, how to pronounce X? Okay. I'm going to play it. Let's see. Ads, man. Ads. Okay. What is it? What? How do you pronounce it? It's not yet there. Oh, sh- okay. You're giving like a long intro. You can't hear it. No, no, I, I can't hear anything. Okay, let's go. Ex Machina. Ex Machina. My life is a lie. I've been watching this thing every day after school since I, it's since I was like 10. No. Marcella, as. Two Spanish lineage people. I'm surprised. I'm sorry. It's just everybody in the movie is white. So in my head, it's like ex machina because he's not just white. He's ginger. Yeah. He's ginger. Okay. So I was like, it's a machina. It's an American film. I get you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Sorry. So so going back to uh, ex machina. um, Ex machina. So there's a scene in ex machina where he spoke to. So. Ginger guy spoke to robot girl. How have I seen this movie every day and not remember so the names? Whoever huh? the actress is, whoever the actress of robot girl, she is so pretty. Whoever she is, super. So like, what 
happened was they they were supposed to get to know each other like they had a bunch of interviews um and I, I forgot which one of them asked it first but basically i think the guy asked it and then the girl asked it back like you know how she's learning from this guy through interactions and what happened was he said okay tell me about yourself and she goes oh what do you want to know about me he goes well whatever you want. Then they have a conversation. And then again, they meet and she says, okay, how about you? I don't know you. Tell me about yourself. He says, what about me? Do you want to know? And one of them goes, where you start tells me a lot about who you are. Right. And that is, I guess, wonderful advice for anyone who wants to know anyone genuinely. Do not have them describe themselves because they can give you of what they wish they were, but they really aren't. Number yeah. two, do not tell someone what you look for in a person and do not tell someone what you do not want in a person because you give them the perfect template to pretend to be someone. So keep them blind and just get to know each other without asking these things. Feel your way through the darkness. And if this person clicks with you, they're going to click with you. You know? And Perfect advice. Another thing... Um, I think this comes from the cartoon Young Justice. Like it's the one where like Robin and Aqualad yeah, and a bunch of yeah, kids yeah, get yeah. together in Rhode Island. I love that show. Um, Very underrated. Super. I got so sad that I got canceled. Please, I cried. <laughs> um, Can I just say sorry quickly? I'm so yeah. upset that Midnight Gospel got canceled as well. Sorry, I just have to say that. <laughs> so i think it was dick grayson that said it i'm not, I'm not sure um but it said something about first impressions don't last they change over time and this is actually a conversation i had with my mom today on the way home um so if you, let's say you give that person a false image like oh i want somebody who's abc and not whatever you know and they're, they're like, okay, perfect. So I'm going to pretend to be that. But people can only pretend for about three to four months. And then the real self comes out. And then you, you're just like, oh my God, I've been catfished. Da, da, da. Like, shit. No, you weren't catfished. You got that person to catfish you by telling them what you want. And they tried to give you that, but it couldn't keep it up. You know? So, you know, it's, that's what I mean by first impressions don't last. Your first impression of them is what you made of them, not what they showed you. Everybody goes on the first date with their best foot forward, right? And then if they go, what's your thing? And you describe it, they're going to embody it. And then they're going to forget that they're an actor playing this role. And then, boom, break up. You aren't compatible. Can I just say, though, um, that's like what Daniel Sloss said, remember? that a relationship is perfect for the first three months and all of that. Yeah, that is proven, though. That is the average time. But can I just say, though, um, so he said that people always put their best foot forward and all of that. And in a way, I do. But here's the one thing about me. If they're going to ask me, like, what my flaws are or whatever, I always tell them. Even on yeah. the first time. Definitely so, that. Definitely like, I'm that. that type of person that I won't pretend to be Mr. Perfect or whatever. Yeah. Like how I treat you on the first date, that's how I treat you on the 10,000 date. Exactly for, the same. For me, it's like every time I get to know someone, may it be like someone, uh, like just a friend or like a, a mentor I'm going to be working with or even like the guy I'm with now. 
I guess this is something that a lot of my like my titos titas are like, can you pretend to be ladylike for once? Like, no, but thank you for that advice. <laughs> but um, that's the thing though. I hate it when there's advice like that about not being who you truly are. Okay, like yeah. okay. If you're like let's say a really problematic person, sure. You know, like if you're the type of person who likes eating their steak well done with ketchup and whatever, maybe <laughs> pretend not to. But kidding aside, be who you are. Like yeah. Legit be who you are. Don't pretend to be like this posh person. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, like you and I, we just want to love people. You know, for who I think, they are. I think it has a lot to do with expectations. And again, this is this is where we kind of go back to being logical and emotional. Introduce yourself with warning signs. Like, for example... I suck at replying, okay? I admit to that. Sometimes I will see your message on the, on the home screen, but I'm not going to click it mainly because I'm needing something. I'm making donuts right now. Don't text me, you know? Or I'm cleaning my cat's litter box. <laughs> so, like, sometimes I see your message, but I'm in the middle of grooming my cat or making donuts or whatever, yeah. and I can't reply right now. Um Give someone like a warning sign. Like if you're going to be friends with me, this is who I am, just so you know. And like, don't pat yourself on the back too much for something you're good at. Let people be the judge of that. But at the same time, don't care what they think. Like, for example, I'm not going to tell you I'm a stellar chef. I'm going to tell you I'm a trained chef. I'm not going to tell you I'm a Michelin star level though. No, you be the judge of that. Because what if what my mom and what my boyfriend find as delicious for you is too decadent? Or it's like, why did you put too much Worcestershire sauce on this thing? Something like that. So I think it's really like introduce yourself, your flaws, and then you be the judge of whatever the rest it is. Because sometimes, exactly. yeah. No, but exactly. Like, sometimes you'd give your flaws to a person. Like, for example, I'd walk into a relationship or like at like friends or a prof, and I'd say, okay, um, I suck at replying. I'm way too logical. And they're like, good. We need someone logical and it's fine. We don't need you 24-7 to reply. And you're like, oh, great. So you're cool with my flaws. Good. You know, that I feel like that's the best way to, to go into something. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, you know, for mm. me, um, so I'm seeing someone and mm. she knows that one of my things, I'm going to be like super honest with you and to our listeners. When I drink a bit too much, I tend to autopilot to the point that I just go home. <laughs> I mean, like, okay, okay, it may not sound that bad, right? Compared to, you know, how there are people, okay, this is okay. So, like, I'm gonna give like a concept and let me know if it makes sense, okay? Like, because, okay, you know, how let's say, um, people say, oh, th that person is a fighter when he's drunk, but he's drunk, that's why he likes to fight. I mm. say, no, that's something that's inherent, something that's inside the soul of the person. Please look at me, um, when I'm drunk, if I'm single, I tend to flirt more. But mm. if I'm taken and I autopilot, I just go home. Mm. So, you know, that's inherent in me. Because as someone who's single, for example, in the past, of course you can flirt because you're single, you talk to people, you may, may get lucky and get their number or their IG, then you can talk the next day, grab dinner, whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. Or you can be like me. I'll be like, okay, guys, how much do I owe? Okay, give the money. Guys, I'm booking a grab. Bye, y'all. Go home. So it's more of yeah. something that's inherent than something that you blame the alcohol on because you can get intoxicated sure and you do things that you may not want to do 
But the thing is, what's inside you? Yeah. You know, I, I consider myself as someone who's really happy with my life, like where I'm at, who my friends are, you know, my podcasting, all of these things. I'm not saying I have a perfect life, but I'm just saying that I'm currently happy right now. And I think that's nice. But I do believe that those who seek fights, who who undress or whatever, mm. that's something inherit, that's something inside. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not something that you can really blame alcohol. Alcohol brings out what's already inside of you. It doesn't create you. Sorry, does that there's, make sense? There's actually a terminologies for what you're describing this is okay for anyone out there this is what happens behind the scenes of the short talks i give names to paula's wanderings so this um have you seen the tiktok trend or the tiktok ig reel i don't know i always just see this on instagram i deleted tiktok because it's just too annoying yeah. um it's like acting on my what was that intrusive thoughts was it or impulsive thoughts you, you know that trend where you just act on yeah, those yeah, yeah. Like, if you just want to eat a whole bucket of fried chicken, you will. Something yeah, or like if, like, you're looking at a cake, you just punch it down the middle. You know? Um, and I think if anybody has seen Kingsman with Samuel Jackson in it, have you seen the one where there's, like, a, a frequency and then everybody starts killing each other in the church? Yes. That is actually the it the, the frequency um, acts. Let's say, for example, that frequency was wine or whatever liquor. Like you have a crush on this person, you're out with your whole circle of friends. Let's say you're with your block, your blockmates. And like it's your you're graduating next week, you're going out, you're drinking. You never told this blockmate of yours that you're into him because you're that kind of girl. You want the guy to make the move. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First move right? and all that. Yeah. And then the glorious evening before graduation, you drink a lot and you go, I've liked you since day one. You're like, oh no. Don't blame the alcohol. Because it's that's really always been in you. Exactly. That thing, that part of your brain that keeps you on a leash from doing these things is called your executive function. A lot of things come into play and render that useless. So this intrusive thoughts you have, like when you're in a dark room and you just really want to flash your light, but you can't because you're in the cinema, you're going to ruin the movie for everybody. That little devil that goes, stop, stop, we're not going to be embarrassing today. That's your executive function. And wine or any liquor will undo that. You you confess your feelings, you start flirting because your guards are down. That guard, your executive function is down. Okay, so I get that part for the, the single Paolo who flirts and that's okay. Again, if you're mm -hmm. single and you flirt, not a problem. But I go home though. <laughs> so what is that? <laughs> My autopilot is like, time to go home, y'all. You're just mature, I guess. I mean, you know those memes where it's like uh, 9 p.m. when I was a teenager. So where are we going? 9 p.m. Uh, in my 30s. I'm going to bed. <laughs> you okay, know, it's, like, it's that. Yeah. Okay, but I to be fair to me, um, as someone who, you know, you know that I'm single and stuff like that, right? Right now, I don't really consider myself single anymore. But um, I learned how to party again, though. Like, can you imagine? I would go to Pablo at 11 p.m. and finish like 5 or 6 a.m. the next day. Like, crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, we're definitely going to Pablo. You, me, um, Lors. Rudo can come if he wants, but, you know, I think he's busy. I, I don't know. But, yeah, but we're definitely going to do Pablo. It's super fun. 
But can it, okay, so like, you know, we're talking about all these things. And I do have a few questions from a friend of mine who you definitely will meet. And okay. I told her, could you ask better questions, please? It's Marcella who's here, you, you know. Okay. Okay, so give me one second. I'm going to get her questions. Okay, so this you're the only one who's going to answer this. So here's question number one. What's your what's your opinion on two ex lovers still checking up on each other months after the breakup? Is it possible to just be one hundred percent friends? I'd hope so. Yes. Uh, but what's your scientific mind telling? Well, contextually, were you guys friends before there was a label? Because if yes, then no. you guys are just oh oh. Well, in which case, I wish I could relate because a lot of the guys I've dated before were great friends. You know, like you're a great friend and you'd think, wow, if you were my partner, that would be great. And then you become their partner. And you're like, wow, you're a dick, you know? So I guess if um, if you guys weren't friends first and you skipped to being partners and then suddenly this person is like checking up on you and you're checking up back, I guess it also depends. Are you seeing other people or not? And how is your relationship with those people? Because let's say, let's say none. Let's say none. I, I like how I'm answering the questions for you, by the way. Like <laughs> I know and stuff. So yeah. Okay. Let's say both of you are not seeing anybody. They're not. And yet. are checking up on each other. In yeah. my head, this would be two things. Number one is you've gone past the heartbreak and you've realized, wow, if you're shaking your head. <laughs> Okay, let's like outcome number one is you're over it. Um, you're you're done being mad at them. You don't. I'm not gonna look at you because it's gonna make me laugh. <laughs> um, uh, okay, I'll turn off my camera first. No, no, it's it's fine. It's fine. Um, outcome number one is you've you've both matured and you've learned everything. And when you look back, it doesn't hurt. But you realize, okay, this person is actually a great person, just not a great partner. <laughs> um, then you could. Like, this is something that I actually have done. Like, I've gone and touched it to someone that didn't end well. But I realized, wow, you're actually a great friend. Let's just don't touch anything because you're great, you know? Second outcome is you want it back, period. <laughs> and it's not even you want it back in a good way. Like, oh, wow, we were good together. Why did I ever end that? There's also a sort of, like, um number one you don't have anywhere else to go and you don't really want to be alone so you settle you settle yes i'm using that word settle for what was because it's better than nothing number two is um this coping mechanism called regression where you go back to a former life stage or phase in your life because it brings you comfort that your current phase can't give you so it's like when you say the good old days was it really the good old days or are you just in a shithole right now and you wish you could just be a kid again? Or you're putting someone on a pedestal. Oh, that is true. Yeah. I love how she said, don't turn it off. I know. And oh no. Oh no. Here's the second question. <laughs> Can exes be friends assuming they weren't friends at first? I think so, yes. Like, if, if there's no malice in it, like, if you're both mature people, and, like, if you're not narcissists, Jesus Christ. 
I swear, a narcissist will assume that if you get into contact in them after ending it, they're like, oh, you want it. Like, no, sis, I don't. You're just funny. And you're good at Jenga. You know? It's <laughs> Sometimes that's the only reason why you want to invite people over. Like, wait, come on, wait, you're wait, the wait, only wait. one with stable fingers. Is it not <laughs> everyone good at Jenga? I Where do you find your Jenga friends? Like, 13 years. I would like to meet your friends. Because everyone no, played Jenga with this Jenga. drops it. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I just assumed everyone was because it's so easy. I don't know. Like, I just, I struggle with how people thrash it in the first five minutes. It's like, well, why? Why? Who does that? And, and, okay, so here's the third question. Why can other people stay single for years? Why can't other people? Like, why can they not? Can. Why can they? I think it's a matter of loving yourself enough and knowing how to be alone. Like, ask yourself, when you were in, in grade school, when you were in high school, did you know how to eat lunch on your own? Did you know how to stay in the library without fear of, oh, they're going to call me a dork and they're going to say I don't have friends? I feel like that's a, it's a very fundamental and boring uh, starting point. But if you think about it, if you were afraid to be seen having lunch alone in high school where everyone is super, you know, like superficial, then this could carry on into your adulthood because then again, grade school and high school, that's your formative years. Whatever happens there is a really big part of your personality. Even if you try to change, something will trigger you to go back to who that person was. You can try to keep changing, but you can't run away from who you really are. Can I just say, so I think I told you this. I really truly learned to love myself like recently and all of that. Mm -hmm. But one thing about me is <clears throat> I was never afraid to eat alone. Never. Because for me, it's like this. I can eat alone now, but maybe during PE or during dismissal, I can hang with my friends. Yeah. Like that was the mentality. Like, why are you afraid to eat alone? You're just eating. Sure, it could be a social activity, but just like any social activity, whether it's basketball or, or um, what do you call this, or some video game or whatnot, you can play it alone. You can. Do yeah, it exactly. I never understood why people were like, "Oh, this person's eating alone. They're so you know, we we feel bad for them. Why? What if I just want my space? What if I yeah. just want?" What if because when I eat in KFC before the pandemic, I used to probably have like five liters of gravy or something. You know, I mean, I don't want people to see that. You know what I mean? But I mean, yeah. You know? Um. Okay. It's it's this. I realized that that was not uh, sort of an accepted norm because when I was in high school, I wasn't too fond of my schoolmates. Uh, they had the weirdest topics. I could just never relate, you know. Okay, like what is a weird topic? Um, this like is gonna sound very, gonna sound very um, British teen drama show. But I, this, if there was just one morning I was trying to, huh? Skins? Skins. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I was thinking. Oh my god. So I was here at my desk a little too early in the morning, and I was like. Mm. I don't feel like a second round of breakfast or anything. So I just lay down on my desk and tried to take a nap. I'm horrible at taking naps. So I usually just close my eyes and actually not sleep. So my seedmate uh, and her friends 
had attended somebody's 18th birthday. So, uh, you know, it's tradition. You have this massive ballroom and whatever. So they, they decided to do the high school thing where you sit on the tables and you form a circle and you talk about the party. Like, why do you have to talk about it? You were all there. Why are you telling stories as if nobody attended it? But okay, go for it. You want to talk about the party? I thought they were going to talk about like, oh, the dress was beautiful. Oh, there's this cute guy. No, they were talking about the line to the bathroom. And apparently there was this plan for how many of them to lose their virginities that night in the bathroom of that party. And I was thinking, if I were the debutante, I would not want my 18th birthday to be the night where my whole circle of friends just lost it in the bathroom. Mind you, all of them fell in line in the same bathroom. When one couple came out, another went in. And I was like, I would not want to know when my friends do their you do. And I would not want to know, I would not like anyone to know when I do my you do. You know? Okay. Um, that is fucking weird. Because, know, okay, like, you know, okay like, with, like with my friend, Lors, who is here, like commenting, hi, Lors. <laughs> yeah, hello, um, Lors. We will hang with Marcella soon in Pobla. Um, no, there are times when we do like talk about the night before and all of that. That's like, you know, remembering. And, that's, and I think that's okay. I think that's okay. But like the whole like the, the plan about losing your virginity and that was that was like, very strange that? to me. No, so, no, that is strange. No, no, no. Like, I agree. I mean, really strange. I mean, if you're gonna call your friend after graduation ball and be like, "Oh my god, like he was supposed to just take me home and then it happened," I get it. No, but, but like, like okay, y'all, we're gonna line up in the bathroom and like, <laughs> we're all gonna do it. You know, like, yeah, and the, the, the weird thing is their conversation thing. was their conversation was oh, I couldn't do it, did you? And they're like, Yeah, I did. Why couldn't you? Like, whoa, whoa, okay. Well, I just want to take a nap. It is Monday morning, and I just want to get through this long ass day. I'm not looking forward to chemistry later. Can we please stop talking about that? And I couldn't ask them to stop because from what they knew is I was asleep. So I had to cringe in my fake nap for the whole morning, and that was hell. And this was one of the last mornings I had in school before the pandemic took over. Thank goodness. So, <laughs> um, like I, like I remember then a few years prior, um, because I didn't like this kind of talk. Like I found my my batchmates kind of strange. I chose to stay alone over lunch, and mind you, I was um, I was kind of like a junior. Like what do you call it? I was a tenth grader sophomore yeah i was a sophomore oh yeah 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 and uh these senior girls wanted to do good deeds for people in the school which was very lovely they thought it was a wonderful idea to sit with a lonely sophomore like bold of you to assume that i am lonely i am alone not lonely they don't mean the same thing uh but i had to be polite so they sat down and i was like can I help you? I felt like I was concierge in the hotel. I was like, oh my God, okay, yeah, can I help you? And they were like, no, actually, we felt like you were lonely, wanted to keep you company because we felt bad that you're alone. And I was like, hmm, why do you feel bad that I'm alone? They're like, oh, because like you don't have any friends. And I said, literally, these girls were classmates of my teammates in tennis. So I was like, why do they think I don't have any friends just because I'm eating my pancakes alone? Did they not realize that when no one's talking to me, when I'm not watching anything, and it's just me and my pancakes against the world, it tastes much better? Like, you ever heard of mindful eating? 
Like, damn, yeah, these yeah. pancakes are chewy and they're not soggy. Like, you can appreciate that. You can that. taste the butter. You can taste the yes. syrup perfectly, all of that, yeah. Exactly. Like, you can taste how it's unsalted butter, but they put salt on it. And there's a difference, you know? And and I'm like, this is not something you can appreciate if people are yapping left and right. So I told them, like, it's very lovely that you would think, like, you would want to keep me company. But the thing is, I do want to be alone today. You know, and they they were very polite about it. They accepted that I wanted to be private. But the thing is, they still took it as I want to be alone in a very sad way. And they said, oh, okay, well, we hope you feel better. And I'm like, dude, I feel great. Why, why are you assuming that I'm lonely and sad and I want to be alone for miserable reasons? So then I thought, okay, I guess that's a norm in the school. Let's try to blend in a little. Here comes the next day. I asked my teammates, because like, the after that, uh, I went to training after school. And I asked them, can I have lunch with you guys tomorrow? I mean, I was a kid, beer pressure. And they were like, yeah, okay, whatever. Because like, I asked my doubles partner. She was always with me, so we were close. We had lunch, okay? And I always had a banana smoothie, because I guess that's what athletes do. I don't know. I was always told to have it. Potassium is life. Potassium um, for athletes, yeah. It, yeah. it stops pumps. So I, I had uh, that that shake and I had some dumplings. And uh, what a weird combo, but okay. I know, but it's it's the only one where the lines weren't short, so I had to. <laughs> yeah, but as cooks, as chefs. Yeah, it, but anyway. it is a very strange combination. Mind you, it was shark's fin. In case that's any weirder. Same, same. <laughs> It's the worst combination ever, but it worked. And, and I think just... Uchai is worse. Actually, yeah, true. So as if it couldn't get any worse, I saw my favorite uh, concessionaire show up with my favorite fried tofu. Another weird thing in the mix. And I said, guys, I'll be right back. I did not tell them that I was headed to get tofu. So my teammates thought uh, that I was done with my dish. Uh because I mean, there's there's no more dumplings in the bowl, but my my shake was about, uh, like this is about one third left, and I wasn't done with it. So my teammate was bored, decided to fidget with my food, and she poured my dumpling sauce. Like you know how your dumplings have a sort of soupy sauce. She poured it into my banana shake, and then when I came back, I was eating my tofu, and they didn't care until I took a sip of my banana shake, and they're like, no 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 stop! Like they were stopping me as if I was about to drink some poison. I was like, what? And they said, we put sauce in that. And I'm like, okay. Because in my head, I was like caramel sauce or something. But they were like, no, no. And then they pointed at my dumpling plate, which was clean. And I said, oh, you put soy sauce in my banana shake. And ever since then, like, I love these guys. Like, every time I see them. Uh, when when I go watch the, the basketball games and I, I see them in the bleachers, I'm like, oh my God, hi, I miss you. I really do. It's just, I will not eat with you again because you might put curry in my milkshake and I will never forgive you. <laughs> so it's like, I want to eat alone to enjoy my food, not because I'm a loner or any other reason, but because I have experienced soy infused banana shake and I do not want another taste of that. Okay, um, that's a lot to unpack, but let's do her last question. 
So her last question is, why can't, cannot, men commit but still learn, but still yearn for commitment? So they don't want to commit to you, but they want you to commit to them? Lars, can you please um, explain your question? Because even I didn't understand it. Because that, that's how I understood it. Like, they want you to commit, but they can't commit to you. No, I think it's more of like, they don't want to commit to someone, but they're like, I want to be able to commit eventually. Maybe that's it. Oh, like, they, they want something stable, but like... Not yet. I, Maybe something like that. So, like, I'm waiting for the one, but you're not the one. Something like that. That's the energy I'm, I'm not getting. sure if you're the one. Oh, now I understand. Okay, okay. What? Wait, what is but, it? Yeah, no, but that is the question. That is the question. Yeah. Okay. Wait, clarify it. Clarify it. You're the only one that got it, man. <laughs> no, no. So, yeah, that is the question. We're in, let's say someone says, let's say you go on a date, right? Hmm. Let's say, for example, let's just use us as the example, yeah? Okay. So, you go on a date. Then I tell you, you know, I dream of having like a family, being married and all of that. But right now, I just want to date around and not commit. Something like ah. that. Then I guess it's, it's just a simple, like this guy's not ready for that. Like maybe there's a lot on their plate. And like, although they want it, now is not a good time. Maybe because they're not ready financially, emotionally, or... Their life is a mess, and that is not a good starting point because, let's face it, foundations are everything. But that's honestly what I would think. Like, like for for example, right? I'm I'm with my partner for two years now, um, and he's he's turning 22 this year. His teammate just got married last week, so that's shocking for everyone because they're the same age. Um, and my brother got married young as well. My sister-in-law was my age at the time when they got married. So it's it's definitely pretty young. Very young, very young. Very young, yeah. So I've I've been surrounded by young couples. Um, and my friend from from my old school actually now has a five year old daughter. She was a teenage mother. Two of them actually are teenage mothers. Okay, wow. Um, so I guess you can say I'm one of the last remaining still single uh, from our batch. And single in the sense of marriage. In the sense of marriage, yeah. Like, only two of my friends have kids this young. Um, but let's say, like, let's say my partner would um, propose the moment I finish college or, like, my first year in med school. Like, I might, like, yes, of course, I want it with you. But the thing is, if I marry you, and let's say I have tuition, my dad's paying for tuition. Like, you're my partner, so which one of you guys is going to support me, my dad or you? Or it's like... I can marry you, sure. But if you want kids right now, I can't do that because I'm going to five more years of grad school. You know, so it's like, I guess it's also a time and readiness thing. And I wouldn't always say that you're the problem. You ever seen those, those like, those posts where people are like, I don't care if you met her at 17 or at 27. If she's the one, she's the one. You you haven't seen that. Okay, because... Um, can I just say... Can I just say... Um, sorry, sorry. Like, this is a huge thing for me. Yeah. No. Not the 17-year-old. No. No, I mean, like, that's not what I meant, but, like... No, 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 no but... Again, both sorry, of I you just, are teenagers, I mean. Yeah, yeah, but, like, for me, it's just, like... So, sorry, I just have to, like... Yeah, yeah. It's like, there are guys out there who joke, oh, no, it's okay, you're, let's say, you're 30, then there's, like, a 17-year-old who likes it. It's not. 
it's really not okay. It is 100% not okay. <laughs> it really isn't. Sorry, sorry, I know that wasn't your example. Like, what, what yeah, yeah, yeah. But, sorry, I just really had to say it, but please go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So, like, yeah, it's the post I saw, like, for context, this boy who posted it um, is, is about my age. He's, like, early 20s to, like, late adolescence. Um, and he said, it sucks that we're too young. But I don't care because she's still the one. So basically the point was that they're too young to get married and whatever. So the goal now is to grow together until they're finally ready. So I think that's that's what I have in mind for this. Like, And this doesn't have to be like, you're 25 now, you should be ready. No, not really. Because you could be 25, you have a stable job, you can buy a house, whatever. But if you're not emotionally ready... Like, let's say in your adolescence, you had a crappy relationship with your family. And now that you're mature and, like, they're they're old enough to own up to it, you could be trying to heal that and therefore be too, too swallowed up by something else to give in to an actual commitment. That's just what I had in mind. Um, can, can, I'm going to say, like, a couple of things. And I really want you to, like, you know, if you have something to say after and whatever, please go ahead and all of that, right? So... You remember earlier in the episode and I was saying like um, opinions change over time and stuff like that. I mean, like last week I could, rough example, I believe the earth was flat last week, but this week I realized it's really round or, you know, something mm. like that, really happens, right? Um, so as you know, um, earlier this year, um, July, I became single, all of that, right? Then... You know, I, I, I was thinking about life. I was thinking about relationships, how to date, and all these things. And I said something very foolish on my podcast. I said something like, on not verbatim, but something like, by the 10th date, you should already know whether the person's the right person or not. Right, okay. Or not, or whatever. And I think that's very foolish right now. Because each of us are different as people. Sometimes after the third date, you already know. Sometimes after the 10th date, you already know. After the 1,000th date, you already know. But um, but here's the thing. Uh, earlier this year as well, after that breakup, I went through something that... Sorry, did you listen to the last episode of the Glap Short Talk, episode 18, about 2022 realizations? Or not yet. I've heard the one before that. The oh, 17, the one about loving yourself. Uh, loving yourself. Was it? Okay. Yeah, that's the yeah. last one I heard. Okay. So um, I had this one episode. Um, you know, it's just about like 2022, realizations, reminders, somewhat like a summary of all the short talks for phase one, right? And there I mentioned about my most recent trauma, wherein I met a person. I met this person and you know, the foolish person in me thought that maybe me and this person would be in a great relationship, all of that. Long story short, we didn't. And I was wrong. It was another lesson to be learned and all of that. And after that, I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just be single. I'm going to date around until we have the label, until we agree that we're exclusive and all of that. We, I am single, period. I want commitment, but I need to be sure that this person is the right person for that. Because I thought that that person who gave me this trauma was the right person, but she wasn't. 
and that's okay. You know, I have no hate, no negative um, feelings towards the person. It just wasn't meant to be. And so the foolish part of me, thinking that I was so wise, understood things, I was like, after the 10th date, you should already know if you want to be with the person or not. Or if that this person was the right person and all of that. And that you shouldn't be exclusive yet and all these things. But the emotional side of me, Marcella, will say that um, sometimes in life, you really eat your own words. You think that when you're always logical, you're always right. When you're logical, things will fall into place like a template, like a math problem and all that. But sometimes life will throw you a piece of your jigsaw that you never realized that it was the right thing. And um, I think that's where the question really is. We're in how can you want commitment and yet, you're not yet ready. And the answer to that is, where is that person coming from? Because sometimes the person is just pretending they want commitment to reel you in because they want sex or whatever. But sometimes it's because the person went through something and just needs to be sure, needs to be extra sure needs to realize that this person is actually the right person and they need to be brave about it. So that's how I told you, right? That I think of myself as someone who can balance things out, but there's always a struggle. There's always a struggle. So um, there, that, that, that's what happened to me. That, you know, earlier this year, break up, thought I met the right person, didn't meet the right person said that I'm going to stay single, then meet someone who proves me wrong in everything. So what, what do you think? Mm. Well, with the whole commitment thing, I feel like there's another perspective to it, which is a person is under the illusion that they want something, but it doesn't mean they're ready for it. Right? Like, for example, I know I want to be a mom eventually. Am I ready for the heck? No, man. I still want to travel. I don't want to, like, wake up to a crying baby every 2 a.m. I'm not ready for that. But I know I want it, you know? So I think it's, yeah, it's definitely understand where the person is coming from. Because sometimes we could fantasize a different life, but not really want it. Like, for example, I get stressed studying for a multiple choice test where the options are until option N. Who wants that? Like, <laughs> wait, what the fuck? Yeah, Option that's what N? Yeah. J, wait, sorry, J, K, L, M, N. 14 options? <laughs> what the fuck is that? That is the road to med school. But, um, but let's say, like, okay, I'm studying this and the answer is clear. Like, for example, there is something in the image that makes it clear. Oh, it's B. But I have to memorize the other options so that i know it's not them a part of me would fantasize oh gosh what if i was just a pastry chef in a hotel doesn't mean i actually want to abandon med school right it just means it's this little fantasy that what if i mean because my cousin is um she's taking classes at some espresso academy i'm not sure what it's called um but imagine if i just fantasize like oh you know what 
yeah, yeah, her. Like, let's say I just have a, a Grace and Frankie kind of life. Just screw med school. I'm going to have a coffee shop with my cousin. She does coffee. I'll do pastries. Bruno does the savory. Let's say I have that fantasy in my head. I don't really know how to run a business. I don't know how to do the whole market basket, like how much the costing would take for a cake, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to have that problem, you know? And I, like, as much as if you'd say, would you be willing to be a part-time chef, like, while you're in med school? Sure. But doesn't mean I have that fantasy. I'm going to give up med school for that, you know? So I feel like it's the same as someone with commitment. Like, I want commitment, but do I really, though? Like, maybe it's just something I admire. Like, it's it's like it's like the whole, am I a firework or am I a bonfire kind of thing, I guess? It's, it's that one again. Like, let's say you're a firework. You know, you like going everywhere. You like partying. You like meeting different people. Um, you're enjoying the wonders of being single. And you think, hmm, you look at all your friends who are in years, like, long relationship. And you think, ugh, that must be nice. Doesn't mean you want it, though. But you just appreciate not it. not want just, it right now. Not right now. Like, you just want to enjoy being single first and then go serious. You know, that could be a thing. Yeah, no, I mean, but okay, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, knowing my friend and the people she meets, I think some of them are just assholes. Hmm. Yeah, it's like, there are sometimes those who are you're... Like, yeah, I want commitment, but at the end, yeah, I actually don't. It's like... Have you ever, like, been with or have you ever been friends with someone who is a, like, I don't know what you call it. It's like a commitment trap. They don't actually want a commitment, but they don't want to be the one played with. So they tell people they want a com- like a committed relationship just so that they're not going to be the ones toyed with. Actually, fucking yeah. It sucks. But to, fair, but to be fair to that person who I'm thinking about, he matured and he actually learned that he does want commitment. And that's why he's in a committed relationship right now. Yeah. Like, I just, like, I feel like some people are also confused about what they want. And that hurts other people. Exactly. That's how you know. Um, on my end, uh, sorry, going back to me. Sorry about that. Um, I know what I want. But, you know, going back to trauma, right? When you get traumatized by something, you're not who you really are. Because you question, you think, you analyze, and sometimes you overthink. Even if you have the best person in front of you, you wonder, are they really? Or is this another character development arc from God? You know, you know, you know, I mean, you're not a Zodiac person, but as an Aries, um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, is this real? (laughs) Yeah. No, but but I, I, I get you on that one. Okay, so... So you watch Jigsaw, right? Daniel Sloss doing his thing. And thank you, you know, for watching it and all of that. I have to ask you, though. Do you agree with 100% of everything he said? N- not the jokes. Just the Jigsaw. <laughs> I agree with the jokes. That's for sure. Oh, the jokes uh, are awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. The vegans, I swear. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Um, like Messi winning the World Cup. Let me, let me let me try to recall his concept. I remember he disagreed with his dad. Uh, cuz for his dad, 
the happiness piece was the same as the partner piece. Am I correct? And for him, the happiness, the happiness piece and the partner piece are two different pieces, which I think could actually exp like expand to a whole lot of other reasons. Like, for example, my, my auntie, I guess her happiness piece, from what I understand, would be her daughter and her love for the culinary arts. Like, she's amazing with the, the, the Thai stuff she's cooking. She's specializing on Thai cuisine. So I guess you can say you can have multiple happiness pieces, which is, I think, one of his points. Yeah, her. Um, so I do agree with him. Like, there, I don't remember having listened to it and go, nah, I disagree. I don't think so. Yeah, why? Like, why would why would you like wonder if I disagreed on something? Because I do with one part. Okay. Compromise. Oh yeah, you did an episode about that. Good compromise and bad compromise. Because he generalized it, right? He oh, said compromise okay. in general is bad. But for me, it's not though. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I I totally forgot that piece. But yeah, everything else was amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's like one piece that I guess it wasn't as significant as the kid with a balloon and ice cream. So that, that okay, or that yeah, those two have a special or, place in my heart. The the compromise, or I don't know how it's left out of my dead sister. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so I um like I I guess for for compromise this is. This is actually a conversation I had with my partner very recently. Because, um, you know, you've tagged me twice in this meme that says, you finally met a green flag with the sun, you're the but red you're flag. But you're the red flag. And it's I'm like, well, why have you tagged me in this twice? Is there something you're not telling me, Paolo? <laughs> so so I, like, I had a recent conversation with him, like, over the holidays. And I was like, wow, I'm... I'm kind of a mess you know i said you met me in a really bad time like uh the first time we talked uh, on like out of work context was because my mom was like hey you've had a really tough week um and there's a guy that wants to get to know you she was like it's the pandemic if you like him you keep talking if you don't like him just block him it's that easy She's like, whatever you do, just talk to him just so that you'd forget like all the crappy people that thrashed like the first few weeks of the pandemic. And I was like, okay, fine. So I spoke to him and mind you, I was in a really bad mood because I wanted to be alone that night. But my mom was like, it's not good for you to be alone. You have to talk to people. And if it's not us, get to know this kid. So I was like, fine. Two years later, we're still together. Um, and I, I spoke to him. I said, you know, you met me. I was in a really bad time. And you held my hand until I figured it out. Now that I figured it out, it's like, here comes season two with a whole set of new problems. Like, newsflash, life is never going to be perfect. There's always going to be something on the horizon. And I told him, my way of coping with these things, my way of approaching them, I realized might not be really good with you holding my hand all the time. Sometimes I'm going to have to let go. You're going to have to let me do it alone, though sometimes I will need you. Like, for example, conquering test anxiety, I can't do that alone. I need him to give me some pep talk. But there are some things that I don't want to keep secret from him. But at the same time, he needs to focus on his career. And it's not like he could do anything about it because this is a family thing or it's a me thing. 
like I'd like, and if I tell him about it, he might want to fix it. So I'm like, I don't know how to address this. How I don't know how I don't know how to address this because if I tell you, you might want to fix it. If I don't tell you, it might tear us apart. So I'm like, how do I do this? And what he meant was, let's meet in the middle. Like you don't have to adjust for me, completely. Right. So gr for him, growing together was going to the, your boundaries, like getting to know each other's boundaries and like working with that, not around it. It's like, for example, he has a helping tendency. He always wants to help you out and to make it easier because I get pissed when people assume I want things fixed. So every time we would talk to each other about something we're frustrated with, we have this rule where I need you to just listen to me. Don't give me advice. And th that helps a lot. And then we also have this thing where you're allowed to take it back. Like, okay, you vent it and you go, no, okay, yeah, I just realized I do need your advice. Right? And then you give it. You don't go, I thought you didn't want it. Because when you say, I thought you didn't want it, boom, that's an argument right there. Right? Um, and we've also come to this agreement that if I decide to do something on my own, it's not because I don't want you knowing about it. It's not because you're not competent enough to help me. Is that one, I got this. Don't worry about me. Number two, I will come to you once I can't handle it. Number three, you got to focus on yourself too. I don't want to be a leech. And that was a pretty, we, we, the, the conversation was ugly, or at least I found it ugly, but you know, we're still together working on it. At the end of the day, it's really just communication and don't take anything personally. Because if you take things personally and a person says, sometimes I'm going to have to do things on my own, you might think they're sugarcoating it in a way that you're kind of stressful sometimes. It's really not though, you know. Hashtag louder for the people at the back. Can I just tag someone? I'm just kidding. Um, but, no, no, but, no, but I get you though. I 100% get you because, <clears throat> okay, so let's go back to compromise, right? I think that's very mature how you guys spoke about it. And if you felt it was ugly or whatever, sometimes in life, when you care about something so much, you have to have an ugly conversation. Yeah. Because you care about the person. And you just want to make it clear that there are certain things that need to be done or that needs to happen. Because like what you said, we're all Saunders, we're all complicated, and we just need to figure each other out. Right? You know, I love Jigsaw. I told you I was just about the jar of life. I was just about Jigsaw and all of that. But the one thing he got wrong was about compromise in my opinion, that I had an episode about good and bad compromise. Because a great, healthy, loving relationship is you will always have good compromise, wherein it helps you improve as a person. And a bad relationship is you have bad compromise that doesn't do anything. That's how I saw it. And, you know, with that example that you said where you guys had that conversation wherein, you know, there are times wherein you will need his advice and there are just times you need someone to vent to, that's healthy, mature, and amazing. Because you know the thing is, not everyone in the you know not everyone period in the world really understands their emotions. That's where the balance comes in about being logical and emotional. Because at times, you need to understand your emotions. 
why you feel this way because you know correct me if i'm wrong but you know let's say we're friends you tell me something i could feel bad that oh why is marcella telling me that i'm problematic i could feel that way for the first you know hour or whatever but then i should reflect and think why would marcella say that there should be there's a meaning to why she said that there's a purpose why she would say that it's not because she wants to hurt me she's not that kind of person so why is she telling me this that's where it should come in and with compromise, when your partner goes to you and says, hey, you know, recently I autopiloted and went home. It wasn't nice. It wasn't good. But at least that was it. I, I didn't do anything bad. I mean, it was still bad, but it wasn't like punching people or whatever. But the person tells me, um, let's not do this again. And every time I'm with the person, I make sure I don't. It's a struggle. It's not easy. Because drinking is fun. Let's be honest. Drinking is fun. Especially when you get the hit. And you want more, you're like, yeah, let's have 10 more Jaeger shots, you know. Um, it's not easy. But if you put in the effort and you know what's at stake and what you want in life, it makes it slightly easier. It doesn't make it easier. It just makes it slightly easier. But it's still difficult. That's good compromise. They don't tell you to stop drinking. They just say drink in moderation because we all know that's who you really are. You like to party, you like to be with friends. Of course, there's like drinking involved, and that's fine. Bad compromises, you be a priest, no alcohol. I mean, maybe at times that's what's needed to be done, especially for the, the violent drunk. But if you're just yeah. the type of drunk who just goes home, be like, bye guys, here's my share, here's my grab, bye y'all. That's not bad. That's not a bad thing. You're not hurting anyone. You're just going home. So, you know, I think that's one thing that people need to realize that, because here's the thing, like, you know, I love Jigsaw and all of that. But, you know, here's the funny thing. Daniel's lost right now as a partner and he has a daughter. Oh, my remember? God, really? Okay. Yeah. You remember how he said that the one thing... The biggest thing in life is he wants to be a husband and a father. He's yeah. a father. Which means that he met someone who made him question his views. And he chose to be with that person. Me, and of course for you as well, we had certain beliefs when we were single. Right? And they may not stand the test of time. You know, you met someone, I met someone, and then we realized that these people are really good for us. And I want to be good for them. I want to be good for them, not just purely for them, but because I want to be good, generally speaking. Sorry, that, 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 does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, the fact that Daniel Sloss, okay, who made that beautiful jigsaw, which was funny and all of that, has a kid now. It just simply says that whatever you believed in the past, there's always a beautiful character arc story to happen. Maybe you just haven't... I, I'm not trying to romanticize the idea that you need to meet the right person for you, for you to change or whatnot. Sometimes you just need to be alone, then you change, and that's okay. And sometimes you just need to meet the right person. As someone yeah. who used to be a firework who became a bonfire, 
right? It's something like that. We're all human and we're all different. The Sonder, forgetting Sonder. We're all just crossing over each other's lives. But, you know, depending on how we live our life, what we believe in, who we meet, how we meet them, and what are their roles in our lives, sometimes it changes our beliefs. And that's okay. For as long as, you know, you don't, like, ride the wave of, like, being high about it. That you still do self-checks, you still reflect, you still understand the relationship and all of that. That's okay. It's okay to be wrong for as long as you reflect about it. Like, okay, you know, we, we spoke about life, relationships, and all of that. And I asked you to watch Stuts, and I know you will get to it, and that's okay. I'm not rushing or whatever. It's an amazing film. To my listeners, watch Stuts. It's on Netflix. But here's one thing, you know, I had so many short talks, 18 episodes, right, of just short talks. That's crazy, right? And I'd say at least 70% Marcella helped me out with these. And I credit her a lot. Um, but this Stutz guy, you know, he's like a 70-year-old talking about tools and how to improve your life. And the one thing that struck me is how at times we all are in a maze. Because, you know, when we're traumatized, when we, when we have, when an event happened to us or when someone hurts us, we tend to, to just be in like in a circle. You know, those, those garden mazes that are just like circular or sometimes square because you're just, you know, repeating the pattern and whatnot. He talks about how when we crave for justice that we, th- we say justice has to come from someone else. We get stuck there. But then he believes in radical love, which is not about forgiving the person who put us there, but it's more about us destroying the the what they call the generational curse that put us there. That instead of us just staying in the maze and not being able to grow, move on, and be happy with our lives, let's destroy it and move on. What do you think about that? I think definitely like a lot of people blame family history or their parents for who they are. You know, um, you're going to see a lot of people who build their entire personality on one frustration they have. Like, for example, um, you find out like there's this is, I think, if I'm not mistaken, what we call the Pygmalion effect, where you um, embody something that you'd believed or what people give you the impression of. So like, for example, everybody looks at you as like me, I'm the youngest kid and I'm the only girl. So people would think, oh my gosh, Marcella is spoiled. She must get everything she wants because she's the only girl. and She's daddy's little princess. Now, if I took that to heart, I might behave like a, What's the name of that Roberts girl and uh, Scream Queens Chanel girl? Emma Roberts. Yeah, I might behave like her and just totally be that rich bitch, you know? But that's that's Pygmalion. So, like, for example, you're a middle child and the whole world is like, oh, boy, you must be trouble. You're going to be trouble. You're going to give the world what they expect of you. So, like, it's... 
Where was I going with this? <laughs> I forgot I mean, what you asked. Okay, can, I, can I just say, um, I had like mini speeches and I forgot where I was going with them. But then to be fair, th- th- this was full and I'm like here. So I don't know. Are you drinking something? No, I'm not drinking something. It's just I found this comment really adorable. I'm looking forward to meeting you too, Loris. <laughs> yeah, you know, Loris, Marcella knows so much about you. Like, super. I feel like when I meet you, I should also expose myself a little bit. <laughs> ah, no need. No need. You're the, you're the wise young girl. No, but yeah, going back to what you were saying. Um. Yeah, Go. go ahead. Go ahead. I got to remember what you asked me because I was saying something about Pygmalion and I forgot why. Oh, yeah. I was talking about like the maze, like, you know, you're you're stuck in there in a loop and all of that. Right. Yeah. Because you're going to forever be stuck in a loop if you embody like only one aspect of yourself. Like. Uh... Can I ask you something? Mm. Because, sorry, I know what you're going to say because we're mm. friends and we're like wise and shit. Mm-hmm. But here's a difficult question. Why do people choose to stay in the maze? Oh, God. I have encountered way too many people who, who are assholes, basically. Uh, let me count. No, it's just more of like you give them the advice. They yeah, know what um, to do and all of that. Why do they stay in that damn maze? I Why don't... do they lose against you when you're, th- when you're giving them tough love and all of that? Okay, the first part, why do they stay? I'm going to answer that first. The tough love after. Yeah, I'm going to type it before I forget. Maze. Tough love. Okay, sorry, it might slip from me. I swear to God, this is just coffee. It's okay. Like, and this is just I water. Have, like, I, I so. have like too much Johnny Walker in me, but I'm good. So yeah. Okay, so with the maze, it's, I wouldn't, this is not backed up by my studies. This is just my logical head that had pieced together my past friends toxic guys i've dated um lord's toxic guys that she's dated um, toxic guys <laughs> i blame my brother for one of them that was his classmate jesus christ um <laughs> i blame lord's 100 for all of her toxic men um and uh some of my brother's friends who i mean come on my brother and i share friends that's how we met pal so i've that noticed is cool. that- yeah that is true though that is true so i've noticed a pattern uh with this it's that some people need to see things to feel them and for what i've noticed with these previous guys these previous friends my brother's friends mutual friends for them if there is no problem for you to solve if you are not pacifying them then the friendship is dying it's flatlining um like Friendship doesn't always have to be you solving a problem. Friendship can be, let's stay on Discord together. You do your homework. I'll do my nails. I just don't want to be alone right now. That could be friendship. You know, or friendship could be... Hmm? Sorry, Marcia. Could you repeat the first part again? The first part? Like, what do you mean? Because I think Loris needs to hear that. <laughs> friendship, uh, any relationship, friendship, family, it doesn't need to go around service, acts of service. You know? Like, you don't need to solve your friend's problems to keep their relationship alive. Um, and this is something I noticed because uh, the, the most recent friend uh, that... Two friends, Jesus, and they decided to date each other. So imagine they were creating a little devil 
like if they ended up together i would the, the world would end <laughs> so these two people had a relationship based on solving each other's um little self-made storm clouds you know like if there is no problem they will find a problem to the solution you have and they thrived on that both of them and it came to a point where um because these two people had met because of me and bruno okay like the guy was bruno's friend the girl was my friend and we took them to my boyfriend's ball game not because we wanted to set them up just because i wanted to go with someone and my brother wanted to go with someone and then somehow we created a tornado i don't know how that happened that um, is so fucking amazing <laughs> but shout out to lars i love you lars um you're not a toxic friend at all so this girl initially um like found him interesting the feeling was mutual but the problem is these two have the same red flag of needing to be pacified in order to feel like their relationship was afloat. So they did that to each other until the guy would reach out to me and saying, I don't know what's happening to us. I don't think it's going to work. And the girl was telling me the same thing. And I was afraid to wrong send because they were both using Telegram. And I super wanted to tell them, can one of you like chat me on Instagram so I don't wrong send anything? <laughs> or like Fiber. Yeah, yeah, let's let's you know any platform but no these guys just had to use telegram because they know i suck at replying on instagram or whatever so um i noticed this in uh, one of bruno's friends from the past who i hated to the point that bruno and i started fighting because he was fighting for that friend he was like you don't have to be mean whatever and i was like i'm not being mean you're just blind this person is bad you know it, it came to that point um and then it happened with our friends and you know, it it comes to a point like even in work, sometimes people think if you're blank staring in the office, this person is so lazy and dumb. When really that person could be thinking about the future of the company. That person you just called lazy and dumb could be the next CEO. They were they weren't blank staring because they're bored out of their minds. They're blank staring because they had the best idea that could change the fate of the company, you know? And sometimes, like, for example, you'd see a politician taking a vacation and people are going to yell, corruption. But what if this guy needed to take a breather and then come back with a brilliant idea how he's going to reform the government? The problem with the world is that we focus too much on things that can be seen and felt. So if you want to talk about a partnership, for example, uh, like, say, parenting in a household, let's not even talk about who earns the money. Let's talk about who's running the house. Who's doing the chores? People, like, people would think, oh, my partner and I are doing 50-50 because if she cooks and I wash the dishes, we're, we're good. But it's, it's not because cooking is not just a 50-50 act. There's also the, the consideration of the allergies of the kids. Like, is this kid picky? Like, like my, my mother, for example, I'm the, I'm, when all of us lived in the same house because pandemic, you know, my brother left his apartment, came back home. So... Everybody moved home because pandemic. Um, my brother is picky. He doesn't eat pork. He doesn't eat vegetables. Yes, uh, this is not the, the one you're friends with. This is the other brother you've never met. <laughs> okay, uh, Bruno eats anything. Just so we're clear, he eats anything except for trashy food. So that's no problem. Uh, my dad, 
Rice is life. He will eat steak with ketchup. He is that monster. Okay. He will eat steak with ketchup and rice. Well done, steak, though. <laughs> I think. I don't remember. Um, I don't sit Wait, next to him at dinner. I don't sit next to him at dinner, so I don't see what the steak look, looks like when Wait, he cuts it open. I just I just know rice and ketchup. I don't know the doneness. Um, and then my sister-in-law, because she is foreign, uh, she my mom has to always cook a creamy pasta or a potato dish because she doesn't eat rice. But my mom has to make rice for my dad. And there are all of these diet restrictions. So I can't say that I 50-50 help my mom in the kitchen because all I do is wash the dishes. And compared to all of the dishes that she would cook, I wasn't a chef back then. So the best I could do was a Caesar salad. That's it. I was just this, excuse me, I was just a salad person. So, well, the salad and sauces person. And the thing is, mom would tell me what to do. So she's like, I'm making a paella. Can you make me a, I don't know how to pronounce it, aioli? Aioli, yeah. Aioli. Like she would say, can you make me an aioli? I was given an instruction. All I have to do is follow. But the idea of planning the menu based on everybody's diet restrictions, cooking everything, getting choice cuts in the grocery. Like you, like I wasn't a chef back then, so I can't choose the meat for her. She has to go there herself. Come home, you know, disinfect herself because it's COVID and then cook. So all the struggle of meal planning and whatever, she has to do. So did I do it 50-50 with her? No, it was 90-10. I was the 10 that washed the dishes after. If I made sauces, then sure, 80-20. You know, but people think, okay, both of you are moving in the kitchen. It's 50-50. It's not like that. So same with parenting. Doesn't mean you change the baby's diapers and you put her to sleep. You did 50%. Because for all you know, you put her to sleep because I was the one that understood the baby and you just followed that I told you, I'm too busy to put her to sleep. Can you do it? Right. So a lot of us these days focus on what we can see, what we can feel. So might be in parenting and managing a household, work itself, or even a relationship. People sort of make excuses to keep the relationship alive. And sadly, one of those excuses is problems to solve. Because what is a greater form of love than being there for those that that you care for? Like, um, what's that thing they said? The first sign of civilization was when they found a like a human remains of a healed bone sorry what, what, what do you mean this is so bad because i'm a pre-med student and i don't know what the bone is called where your thigh is you know that bone your thigh oh, basically. yeah 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 you yeah, mean like, like when you break the bone but then when you put it together it like no like again? the the first sign of civilization in mankind was a healed bone because the this femur? person, yeah, yeah, the femur, a healed femur was a first sign of civilization. Not, it's not walls, it's not currency, it's not language. It was a healed femur because that meant two people cared enough for each other to protect the other one. So, because that femur is not going to heal overnight. How long does it take for a bone to heal without medical help? Right, these were prehistoric times. So imagine these two sap, whatever sapiens they were, kept each other company, and one was quite literally puppy gut because they were injured. And the number one rule of camping: do not bring anyone who is a burden. Right, 
But back then, this person, this sapien, whatever he was, decided this person is injured. I can't leave him out here. And how long did that bone take? For that duration of time, this person gave that injured one shelter, food, love, care, all of that, whatever Maslow said you need to be alive. And that was the first sign of civilization because what is civilization without care for each other, right? So that was, that was something pretty interesting to me. But that's also a problem because that's a pretty big injury, like a broken femur, Jesus. And that's a problem. Because like, for example, if like right now I'm, my partner and I were struggling to transition into a long distance because although I'm not too far from him, his career takes him from me big time. And it takes him a massive effort just to stay in touch with me. And I really appreciate that. Okay. Like I'm not even competing with him, like with other girls for him. I'm competing with his coach. <laughs> oh my God, coach. Just can I borrow him, please? <laughs> So, yeah, and I'm like, I can't compete because I don't have a ring, okay? Like, his coach has the ring. Well, the court has it, technically. But I mean, he has a ring, though, because they're, like, champions and all. Exactly. So I can't say shit because they got the championship. Literally, the hoop is there. The ring is there, not on me. So I have no say. But, you know, all jokes aside, I don't need him to buy me bouquets every week to know that we're still a couple. I don't need to fake problems so that I can cry to him to remind myself that we're a couple. The mere fact that he gives me a good morning or uh, I'm gonna start training, I'll talk to you in three hours. That is enough. Because like, okay, sure, I haven't, when he went under the bubble, I didn't see him for three months. He wasn't allowed to go out. None of them were. Um, and I couldn't talk to him for hours because there's training and then he has to train the rookies. But that didn't mean that we were over. Like I was secure enough to know that once that's over, he would chat me up and I wouldn't have to fake a problem. It would just be, how is training? You're tired? Okay, let's just catch a movie. And that's still it. Some people feel like that's not enough. Like if if I were said some people, like his 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 career is heavy as it is and he's trying to balance school with his basketball career his family and me and not to mention i'm long distance that's a lot for 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 you know for him um so that means i have to share him of course with his family and all that that's that should be enough but if i were said troubled person I would fake a monster so that he would have to be with me more than his career, more than his mom. Like, oh, she's going through this right now. I have to be with her. I have to support her. You know, it's it's a fake monster you create to be pacified because that feeling of being pacified like makes you feel like you matter. And I think you could say it's an addiction because people people tend to go into a loop. They get stuck in that maze of if people find out that I need them. They will be there for me. I will be the center of their universe. And it becomes an addiction. And that's how they stay stuck in the maze. Because when you're stuck in the maze, the attention is always with you. They'll always try to get you out. You know, and that's, I guess some people love having that attention. But the thing is, you can get attention in a lot of other places. But I, I guess you can say that being in need of help is the easiest one. Like, what do, what do you think about that? 
A lot. Um, no, no, but you know what I really appreciate is you know you you sharing that about how you know when it comes to relationships. Because here's the thing, um, I'm 30 years old. I'm pretty old, uh, and that's why for me, when I'm looking for my next partner, it needs to be someone who's as at least as mature as me, if not much more mature. Because here's the thing, like sometimes you know, like what you said, you don't need to talk to your partner every day because he has his thing, you have your thing. And sometimes it's just messaging each other that, hey, I care about you, but can we talk tomorrow? That's important. But when you look at it that way, in the in the sense that, um, you know, we're in... Because here's my problem. Like, so many people are like, we need to talk every day. We need to talk. It's not true. If what you have is true, if what you have is legitimate, if what you have is important and honest you don't need to try too hard it just comes naturally you know when you care about the person you say hey look um i'm sorry i'm not able to talk to you today but how about let's talk tomorrow morning or let's talk about or let's talk after my training during lunchtime which is like 12 or 1. it's all about that and you know that's why that's why I said I need to have Marcella in my first episode, because that's what I notice about a lot of the young people nowadays. They're all like, relationships need to be like we always constantly whatever. It's not. It really isn't, because we're all individual people. We all have our thing. That's how you know for me about what if they message late or whatever, then understand why. Like you, you you're baking donuts or you're baking whatever. Or let's say on my end, I'm doing work or I'm in basketball or whatever. It's not because I want to ignore you. It's just that, you know, you're not my only universe. And that's a good thing. Yeah. We never lose our individualities. Because once we do that, then who are we? You yeah. know, so th- th- that's my thing. Sorry, Marcella. Um. I love having you here, and I want to have a part two of this. I don't think two hours is enough. You're an amazing guest. But before we go, um, I have one last question for you, and this is my question to you. Um, so right now, um, there are people out there who don't know how to love themselves. If they hear all the advice and whatever, what is the first step to love yourself for you? I think it's to understand yourself and it's people would be like, oh my God, you really just had to say the most complicated thing, Marcello. You know how hard it is to understand yourself? Yeah, but if you know the steps to do it, I know it's an emotional problem and you'd think that because um, Mark Manson, was that his name? Mark Manson, the, the guy who wrote Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck? I think so, yeah. Yeah, he said an emotional problem needs an emotional solution and a logical problem needs a logical solution. So I actually have to disagree with him, although that did help me a lot. Sometimes you're gonna have to mix them. Like, have you ever heard of a qualitative and quantitative study? You mix it, right? The thing is, this is popularized on the internet as a parenting technique to be a more gentle parent. It is the five whys because children, The reason why their tantrums get worse and worse the more you pacify them is they're too young to express themselves. So you ask them for like, why are you crying? And they go like, 
like they, they say the first thing and you go, oh, why? So you ask why five times until they get to the bottom of it. And then you can help them better. Because if you just pacify them without knowing what's going on in their head, they're not going to feel the comfort because they're not acknowledged. You'd think, okay, so this is only a problem in children. False. Because this is a problem my partner have at the age of 19, right? Because uh, he never got to express himself. And I also never got to express myself as often, but I had my moments. Like I had my personal Dumbledore when I was in my old school and I super appreciated her. He, she was my principal, but she was like family to me. Um, and in psychology, we were uh, taught this trick how to understand our peers. But in my case, you can use this to understand yourself. Frustration is generally an emotion felt when we are when there's a gap between us and what we want. This frustration could be a person, a personal problem, or time. Time itself, like you're frustrated, that's taking so long. If you don't understand how you're feeling, you got to go back to the basics. Pull up a list of negative emotions, and you ask, am I mad? Nope, it's not that. Am I embarrassed? Okay, a little bit. And then you ask the next one, why am I embarrassed? So you have to dissect your problem by treating yourself like that toddler that doesn't know how to express himself. Because sometimes you're so overwhelmed, you don't know where to start. And this is where you reach out to your friend by saying like, okay, for example, Paolo, you're frustrated. You don't know where to start. You're hyperventilating. I ask you, okay, are you mad? And you're like, no. I'm like, okay, are you embarrassed? No. Are you stressed? No. Are you overwhelmed? Yes. Okay. Overwhelmed by what? You get me. Like you dissect the, the feeling. And once you get to the bottom of it, you go, okay, so now we understand how you're feeling. Do you want to deep? Do you want to go deeper? Do you want to solve it already? Or do you want to sleep on it? You have to really dissect this. You need the patience to do this. And here's the thing. So that's pretty much the key to understanding, right? You dissect something by asking the most fundamental questions. It feels stupid. It really does. It sounds stupid, but it, it gets the job done. You know, back to basics in this case. Um, and this is where you also spot your asshole friend. And for those who don't know what an asshole is, it's the friend who keeps you in the maze by giving you a problem to every solution. When you realize that your friend is an asshole, you may or may not give them tough love and go, oh my God, this person is a leech. I got to be a little colder. Oftentimes, people respond to tough love negatively, not because they don't want tough love, not because they want to be babied, but because they've been found out. Like, oh shit, Paolo figured out that I just need someone to spoil me. Crap, what am I going to do? And then you aggress. Because then again, when you're interrogating someone, right, let's say you're in, you're in a crime interview room, whatever, once you figure someone out, they, re they react violently. So when you call someone out, they react. But at the same time, if you give someone tough love, you mean well, but they can receive it in a different way. Like, oh shit, I've been made. And then they aggress. So if, you wanna, if you're wondering why tough love isn't accepted by that person, I'm sorry, dude, but that person is just leeching on you, I guess. It's pretty much. All right. Well, Marcella, thank you so much for being here. We will have part two. We'll talk about that later on. This is not enough. But 
until then, guys, thank you again so much. This has been season four. I'm so happy, Marcel. Thank you for. I know you're so busy and whatever. We're definitely going to Pabla. Until then, Iglap <laughs> will take a week off. We'll be back third week of January. Until then, just look forward to the short talks. And definitely watch Daniel Sloss on Netflix. Watch Stutz on Netflix. Excellent, excellent film. Daniel Sloss, amazing. Until then, Marcel, thank you so much. Again, thank, thank you guys. You. Peace out. Take care. Bye, everyone.